This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. time we open the scriptures to build wondrous things out of his word all that we can do is praise god you know you get to a point you begin to declare god so you begin to declare scriptures you begin to pray you get to a point all that you can do is praise him all that you can do is worship him because he's worthy of our praise he's worthy of our adoration you know so you know today i'm going to teach god's word but we will get to a point where we'll begin to praise god and you see when we begin to praise god I mean, at some point, I might, be, I might be singing songs in my Yoruba dialect, you know. If you don't know that song, just sing songs in your own dialect. I mean, just praise him. Praise him as you are inspired to. But I'm going to be teaching God's word a little, and then we'll pray, and then we'll begin to praise God. But you see, I want you to know that God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He deserves our praise. Hallelujah. Now, today, I want to talk to us about the promises of God. Today, I want to share with us about the promises of God. Now, there are a lot of promises. There are numerous promises that God made to us through the scriptures. But apart from the fact that there are promises of God, there is the promise of God. In other words, there is a definite promise. The promises of God, they are embedded in the promise of God. So we're going to start with what the promise of God is. But today, I'm talking about the promises. But... I need to show you what the promise of God is so that from there we can then begin to look at what the promises of God are. Now, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Luke chapter 24. You know, I want you to know that the definite promise that God has made to us is the promise of the Holy Spirit. That was the only thing that Jesus spoke about and called it the promise of the Father. When Jesus was going, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. He says, I will send you another comforter who will not just be with you. He says, it will be in you. So Jesus kept emphasizing. He kept reiterating the fact that God was going to send a promise. And that promise was the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus knew that everything that God ever wanted us to have or be, we only happen through the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus called the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father. Jesus called him another comforter. But more importantly, he called him the promise of the Father. Now, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Look at what Jesus said here. Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He said, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He said, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So Jesus says, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says, And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. So there is the promise. He didn't call it a promise. He called it the promise of the Father. It's the definite promise. That is the definite promise that God gave unto us. And it's called the promise of the Holy Spirit. He puts a colon here and says, But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Now, what is this promise that Jesus has sent upon us? Now, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. Luke begins to write the Acts of the Apostles, write, write the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and he begins to reiterate again the fact that Jesus talked about the promise of the Father. Now, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 4. Verse 4 and 5 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. 
Luke was right here. And he said, and being assembled together with them, he was talking about Jesus, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, ye have heard of me. He says, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days end. In other words, Luke is writing here, and Luke is saying that Jesus spoke about the promise of the Father, that when Jesus was with the disciples before he departed, that he talked to them about the promise of the Father. Now, he now says that here, that Jesus said, John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days end. Emphasizing the fact that this promise of the Father is talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. Now, if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and Paul calls this promise, he calls it the promise of the Holy Spirit. He calls the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Look at what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So Paul tells the church in Ephesus here that after we heard the gospel of salvation and believe that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the promise of the Father is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of God is the Holy Spirit. There is nothing else that God has promised us apart from the Holy Spirit. But you see, embedded in the Holy Spirit, is all the promises of God, all the promises that God has promised us that was spoken by the prophets, in by prophet Isaiah, prophet Jeremiah, all the prophets, prophet Ezekiel, by the Psalmist, all those promises are made available to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. But much more than that, there are the promises of God. But I just wanted to establish the fact that there is the promise of God, and the promise of God is the Holy Spirit. Now look at this, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, so there is the promise of God. Who is the Holy Spirit? But there are the promises of God. Now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, now Paul writing to the church in Galatia, he says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. So Paul tells the, the Galatians, he tells them that the, to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. So Paul says, the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. He goes further. He says, He said not unto seeds as of many, but as of one unto thy seed, which is Christ. So Paul is telling the Galatians that God made his promises to Abraham and to his seed. And that God didn't say seeds as of many, but he said to Abraham and to his seed as of one. So it was just one seed he was talking about. And he says that seed is Christ Jesus. So the promises of God were made to Abraham and were made to Abraham's seed. And the particular seed that God made these promises to was Christ Jesus. So God made his promises to Abraham and God made it to Abraham and to his seed. And that seed is Christ. Now, if you look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, we are in Christ. We are Abraham's seed. We are the seed of Abraham because the promises were not made to many people. The promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. To seed, he means to his descendant, to his offspring. Now, from the tribe of Judah. Jesus was born to the tribe of Judah. And the Bible says these promises were made to Abraham and to Christ. Now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. 
The Bible says, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, Paul says to the Galatians, he says, and if you are Christ, now the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, we who are believers in Christ, we are Christ. In other words, we are, we are owned by Christ. We belong to Christ. We are joined unto Christ. The Bible says, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So we are one spirit with the Lord. So he says, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So in verse 16 of Galatians 3, Paul says the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. And he says it's not to seeds as of many, but to seed as of one who is Christ. In other words, if anybody is going to enjoy these promises of God, it's either you will be Abraham or you will be Christ. Now, if I'm not Abraham and I'm not Christ, then that means I must be in Christ. Because that's what verse 29 says. It says, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. So because now I'm in Christ, I'm the seed of Abraham. Because I'm in Christ. Because the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. And that seed is Christ Jesus. Now I am in Christ. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. So it says these promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. And this seed is Christ Jesus. Now it says in verse 29 of Galatians 3 that if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So I'm Abraham's seed. I'm the seed of Abraham. You are the seed of Abraham because you are a believer in Christ. Because now we are in Christ. We are the seed of Abraham. And therefore we are heirs according to the promise. In other words, we have a right to the promises of God because now we are Abraham's seed. We have a right to the promises of God. We are heirs according to the promise. Now we are joined heirs with Christ. So the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. And that seed is Christ. And so now, because I'm in Christ, because I'm a believer in Christ, I have a right to those promises of God. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Look at what he says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, for all the promises of God. He says, in him are ye, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The promises of God, in him are yes. In other words, he's talking about Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that all the promises of God, they are yes in Christ Jesus. And in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. What is he saying? Paul is saying that all the promises of God, they are guaranteed in Christ Jesus. He's saying that all the promises of God are yes in Christ. In other words, I cannot be denied any promise of God once I'm in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, there is no denial of any promise. All the promises of God are yes in Christ. And it doesn't stop there. It says, and they are amen. In other words, amen means so be it. It's like he's putting a stamp on the promises of God. He's saying that once you can locate yourself in Christ, all the promises of God are guaranteed unto you. You are sure to partake of the promises of God. That's why it says, all the promises of God are in him, yes, and amen to the glory of God by us. So once I can say amen to the promises of God, it says they are guaranteed in Christ. So I'm Abraham's seed. I'm in Christ, and therefore I have a right to the promises of God. Now, let me give you an example of what these promises of God are. I just want to show you an example. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. 
Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 10 and 11. Now, this is a very popular scripture. And it's one of the promises of God. Now, I'm going to show you Psalm 91, verse 10 and 11. And then we're going to go to Matthew 4. But there's a reason why I want to show you. Galatians 3, 16 says, The promises of God were made with Abraham and to his seed. And that, that seed is Christ Jesus. And he also said that if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And you are heirs according to the promise. Now, look at this. Psalm 91, verse 10 to 11. Very popular scripture. Sorry, let's make it Psalm 91, verse 11 to 12. Psalm 91, verse 11 to 12. It says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. This is a promise of God. It says that they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against his stone. Now, God is speaking through the psalmist here. And he's saying that, he's saying that God will give you. Now, it is the psalmist that is speaking here. He says, for he shall give his angels charge over you. Now, the psalmist was not talking about himself. He was talking about someone else. He says, for he shall give his angels charge over you. And he shall guide you. They shall guide you in all your ways. They will keep you in all your ways. He said, they will bear you up in their hands. Lest you dash your foot against his stone. Now, this is one of the promises of God that was spoken by the psalmist concerning someone. Now, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Now, Galatians 3 lets us know that these promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. Now, we have looked at Psalm 91, one of the numerous promises of God. It says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in your ways. They will guide you with their, they will bear you up with their hands, lest you dash your foot against his stone. Now, look at Matthew 4. Matthew 4 from, from verse 5 to 7. Now, after Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, and he came out of the wilderness, the Bible says he was tempted of the devil. Now, I want to show you one of the temptations. How the devil referred back to one of the promises of God that was made in Psalm 91 that we just read. Now, look at this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. He says, Then the devil take him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And the Satan said unto Jesus, If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down. For it is written, Now, look at this. Satan is reminding Jesus, that there are promises that God has made to you as the son of God. Because, you see, we read in Galatians 3, it says the promises were made to Abraham and to his seed. And that seed is Christ. Now, we have read in Psalm 91, God was speaking through the psalmist in Psalm 91, and he said, for he shall give his angels charge over you. So the psalmist was not talking about himself. He was talking about Christ Jesus. He says he will give his angels charge over you. They will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against his stone. Now, Satan now begins to remind Jesus again. He wants to tell Jesus, he now says, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, it says, If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down. It says, For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you. In other words, Satan is reminding Jesus that one of the promises that God has made towards you is that he will give his angels charge concerning you. And in their hands, they will bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against his stone. So Satan wants to tell Jesus, and he begins to remind Jesus that if you be the Son of God, Cast yourself down. The other of God has said concerning you that if he gives his angels charge over you, they will keep you in your ways, they will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against his stone. So I just wanted to show you here that these numerous promises, both in the old and the new covenant, were made to Christ and to his seed. And even Satan had to be reminding Jesus that God he has made a promise concerning you. God has given you a promise that if he gives his angels charge over you, throw yourself down. 
But Jesus says unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, Jesus says to him, thou shalt not put your, the Lord your God to test. I just wanted to show you that some of these promises that you see in the Old Covenant were actually made to Christ Jesus. And because we are in Christ, we are partakers of these same promises. The Bible refers to these promises of God. He calls them exceeding great and precious promises. That's what the Bible calls them. He says they are exceeding great and precious promises that God has given unto us. So there are numerous promises that God has given unto us. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. We are going to be reading verse 9 and 10. Now, God has made numerous promises to us. He has given us numerous promises. But you see, truth be told, it is possible for you to be a believer on earth. Until you see Jesus face to face, you will not walk in these promises of God. It's very possible to sleep in Christ and not walk in these promises. Very, very possible. Because you see, there's a work to do. There's a commitment. You see, promises of God have been made. But there's work that we ought to do. We ought to appropriate these promises into our lives. Now, look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, as it is written, I have not seen, nor hear heard. He says, neither have entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now, pause. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul says, I have not seen. In other words, there are promises, there are things that God has prepared for us that physical mm -hmm. eyes have not seen before. Mm -hmm. He says, ears have not heard. He says, it has not even entered into the heart of man. Men have not even imagined it. It has not come into their imagination. These promises that God has prepared for us. That's what he says here. He says, these things that God has prepared for us. Ears have not heard it. Eyes have not seen it. And he says, eyes have not seen it. He says, it has not even entered into the imaginations of men. The things that God has prepared for us that love him. So there are promises that God has prepared for us. Now, this is exactly what the psalmist was talking about. Psalm 126. Psalm 126. We are going to begin to pray here. Now it says, eyes have not seen. So there are certain things that God has prepared for us in Christ. It says these things, eyes have not seen them. Ears have not heard them. It has not even entered into the imagination of men. The things that God has prepared for us that love him. Now look at Psalm 126. Now, here the psalmist it gives us an idea of what these promises of God can do. Because 1 Corinthians 2 says, eyes have not seen it. In other words, it means that when these promises begin to come to fulfillment in our lives, men will see it and they will marvel. They will see it and wonder. Oh, glory to God. They will see it and marvel. Because they will say, we have not seen it in this sort before. We have not seen it in this manner before. We have not heard it in this manner before. Because it says, eyes have not seen Now, look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 26. He says, when the Lord again, Turn the captivity of Zion. We will attend that dream. Oh, the psalmist is saying here that when the Lord again turned the captivity, when God turned our situation around, he says it was like a dream. Now, if it was a dream to us, the children of God, how much more to those who are not children of God? Because the Bible says eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not even entered into the hearts of men, the things that God has prepared for us. Now, Psalm 126, the psalmist says, when the Lord again turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. In other words, when the promises of God come to fulfillment in our life, it will be like a dream. You know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is like unto a seed. When it is sown, it is smaller than every seed. And the Bible says when it grows, it grows bigger than every tree. But much more, in the portion of the scripture, it says that when the seed is sown, that the sower it does not know how. 
But you just see that the seed begins to grow and it grows into a tree. The sower cannot say this is exactly how it happened. That's what the psalmist is talking about here. That when God turned our situation around, that we were like them that dream. Now it doesn't stop there. It says, Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the eating, The Lord has done great things for them, whereof they are glad. He says that then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the eating. In other words, He's saying that when God turns our situation around, it will be like a dream. He says, then our mouth will be filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then even amongst the eating, the eating of the nations, the unbelievers, the world as a whole, he says, they will say amongst themselves that the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. He goes to verse 3, he says, the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. You know, at this juncture, I just want us to begin to declare in the name of Jesus. That we walk in the promises of God. That we walk in the promises of God. That we begin to enjoy the promises of God. That every unpleasant situation around us is turned to God. Because the says, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our yes. tongue with singing. Yes, Our Lord. mouth is filled with laughter and our tongue is filled with singing. Then they will say amongst the nations, the Lord has done great things for them, whereof they are glad. They will see us rejoice in the Lord. And they will say, God has done great things for us. The Bible says, rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. Receiving the end of our faith, even the salvation of our souls. We rejoice with joy unspeakable, joy inexpressible. You know, this is the reason why Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus said, either though have you asked nothing in my name. He said, ask and receive that your joy may be full. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 24. He said, either though up until now. Have you asked nothing in my name? He said, ask and receive that your joy may be full. In other words, if you don't ask and receive, you will not experience the fullness of joy. That's why it says here, you see, when we begin to appropriate the promises of God to our lives, then our joy will become full. There is no way you will walk in the fullness of joy if you do not walk in the reality of God's promises. If God's word to you is that you will not be sick and you are sick, you cannot walk in the fullness of joy. If God's promise to you is that you will not be poor and you are poor, there's no way you will walk in the promises of God. So Jesus said, up until now, eat that all. Have you asked nothing in my name? Ask and receive that your joy may be full. In other words, when we ask and receive, we express fullness of joy. We rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord and we are glad. We rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8. Prophet Isaiah. Prophet Isaiah. These same promises of God is what the prophet Isaiah was talking about. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. Glory to God. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. This is the same thing that the prophet Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. Look at what he says here. He says, Behold, Isaiah speaking here. He said, Behold, I am the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel. From the Lord of hosts, we dwelleth in Mount Zion. Now, Isaiah the prophet, he says here, he says, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and for wonders. Remember, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth, and it says that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. In other words, the day that eyes begin to see us walk in the fulfillment of God's promises, it will be a sign to them, and it will be a wonder unto them. Because Isaiah says here, he says, I am the children that the Lord has given me. He says, we are for signs and for wonders. This is the same thing he's talking about here. He says, we are for signs, we are for wonders. In other words, we are for the expression of God's promises. 
Once we begin to walk in these promises of God, it will be a sign to the unbelievers. That's why Psalm 126 says, Then said they among the heathen, Then said they among the unbelievers, The Lord has done great things for them, whereof they are glad. In other words, when we begin to display these signs and wonders of God, unbelievers, because the Bible says the signs are for the unbelievers. So when God begins to display his promises through us and in us, when he begins to display his signs and his wonders, unbelievers, the heathen, they will see it and they will glorify our Father in heaven. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, I believe verse 16, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, that they may behold your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, the Bible says, let your light so shine that men around you will see your good works. They will see God displays good in you and through you. And when they see they will glorify your Father in heaven. They will say, yes, God is God. God is Lord over all. They will glorify God in heaven when they see your good works. So Isaiah says, yes, he says, I am the children that the Lord has given me. We are for signs and for wonders. Do not do the same thing, just something similar to what he has said. The psalmist also says in Psalm 71, verse 7, he says, I must say wonder unto many. So Isaiah says, yeah, I am the children which the Lord has given me. He says, we are for signs and for wonders. Now, Psalm 71, verse 7. Psalm 71, verse 7. Psalm 71, verse 7. Isaiah says that I am the children that the Lord has given me. He says, we are for signs and we are for wonders. Nothing less. We are for signs that this is the realm where we dwell. We are for signs and for wonders. Now, Psalm 71, verse 7. Look at what the psalmist says here. Psalm 71, verse 7. The psalmist says, he says, I am as a wonder unto many. He says, I am as a wonder unto many. But thou art my strong refuge. The psalmist says, I am as a wonder unto many. In other words, when many people look at me, he says, what they see is God's wonders. I'm a wonder unto many because I'm walking in the promises of God. He says, these promises are yes and amen in Christ. He says about these promises that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not even entered into the imagination of men the things that God has prepared for me and prepared for you. So the psalmist now says that I'm as a wonder. I'm a wonder unto many. Isaiah said, I am the children which the Lord has given me. We are for signs and for that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, Psalm 71. You know, let verse 7. Let's go back to Psalm 71, verse 7. He says, I'm as a wonder unto men, but thou art my strong refuge. Now, he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 8. He says, Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor hold thee. Glory to God. Look at what the psalmist says. Yeah. He says, I'm as a wonder unto many. Many yes, see me and wonder. They are seeing yes. signs and wonders to me. He now goes says, Let my mouth be filled with praise. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. Because I'm a wonder. I'm a wonder. That's what he was saying in Psalm 126. He says, when the Lord again turned the captivity of Zion, who had them that dream, then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. You see, when God begins to display his wonders through you, your mouth will be filled with laughter. You will begin to sing for joy. You will begin to sing to glorify God. It will be uncontrollable. Because you see, it's the glory of God that pushes out those promises. When you begin to walk in signs and wonders, the glory of God has begun to display itself through you. When men begin to see this glory, men are drawn to you. Angels are drawn to you. Everybody is glorifying your Father in heaven. The elders are bowing down before you, casting their crowns. Because a believer on earth is showing the signs and the wonders of God. He's walking in the power and the glory of God. That's what the psalmist is talking about. He says, I'm a wonder unto men. He says, but thou, you have my strong refuge. So I'm not a wonder just by myself. He says, God is my strong refuge. He doesn't stop there. He says, let my mouth be filled with thy praise, O God. 
and with thy honor all day. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise. Oh, glory to God. All day. Now, there's a reason why the psalmist is talking like this. You see, because there are promises that God has given to us. And every day, the Bible says God gives us these promises. These promises, we have access to them all day. Now, look at Psalm 68. And from Psalm 71, let's look at Psalm 68. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 18 and 19. Now, remember, Psalm 136 says, When the Lord again turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they amongst the hidden, The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. He said, The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Now, look at this. Psalm 68, verse 18 and 19. Look at what the psalmist says here. He says, Thou ascended on up on night. Now, the question is, who ascended? Because he says here, thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Remember, Psalm 126 says, when the Lord again turned the captivity of Zion. That's what he's talking about here, that he led captivity captive. In other words, when he turned our captivity, we are like them that do now. He said, thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell amongst them. Look at verse 19. He says, blessed be the Lord who daily who daily loaded us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Look at what he says. He says that he has tended on earth. He led captivity captive. He received gifts for men. And it goes further to say that, blessed be the Lord, who daily. So every day God is loading us with benefits. Who daily loads us with benefits. He doesn't stop there. He says, even the God of our salvation. So he lets you know that the reason why we have access to these daily benefits of God is because God has revealed this salvation to us. Because it says here, blessed be the Lord who daily loaded us with benefits. What happened when he ascended up on high and led captivity captive and gave gifts to men for salvation? So it says here that now that we are saved and we are in Christ, God daily loads us with benefits. No wonder the psalmist said that my mouth is filled with your praise and your honor all day. I just want us to, be, I want us to begin to declare in the name of Jesus. That we walk in the daily benefits of God. He says God daily loads us with benefits. I just want us to begin to declare in the name of Jesus. That we walk in these daily benefits of God. In the name of Jesus. Because he has led God is true to his word. God is dependent. He is reliable. He has made promises unto us. And we are bound to walk in these promises. Now look at Psalm 138 verse 8. Look at what the psalmist says here. He's still talking about these promises. Because you see, when you begin to appropriate God's promises to your life, you begin to walk in perfection. Everything our But before we begin to praise God, I want us to go back to Psalm 71. I just want to show you some things. Well, I want to read from Psalm 71, verse 7 down to verse 24. And then we'll begin to praise God. But I just want to show you some things. Oh, no wonder the psalmist said, I'm at the one down to me. I'm a wonder. Because God has perfected that which concerns me. I'm a one down to me. I'm a wonder. I'm a wonder. Glory to God. Are you a wonder? And we wonder, as I said, I am the children that the Lord has given me. We are for signs and we are for wonder. That is what we are made for. The Bible says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents. They will drink any deadly thing and it will not hurt them. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In my name, he says, Signs we follow them. And as I said, We are for signs and for wonders. Now, look at Psalm 71 from verse 7. The psalmist says, he says, I'm as a wonder unto men, but thou art my strong refuge. Verse 8, he says, let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all day. Verse 9, he says, cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. 
He says, for my enemies speak against me, and then I will, they that wait for my soul take counsel together. Verse 11, he says, they take counsel together saying, God has forsaken me. Persecute and take it, for there is none to deliver him. Now, look at what he says in verse 11. Verse 10 and 11. Now, the psalmist is saying, he says, my enemies speak against me. And they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together. Now, look at what he says in verse 11. He says, when they come together to take counsel, he says, this is what they say, that God has forsaken me. You know, for us as believers, sometimes when we are going through trials of our faith, people that know you, that know us as believers, that know what we profess, they begin to look at you and say, ah, this guy is deceiving himself. I'm sure you help people say those things. You say a believer walking in faith, believing God for something, and other people around are like, this guy is deceiving himself. That's what the psalmist is saying here. That I've gotten to a point where they gather together and they say God has forsaken me. He says, and they say persecute and take him, but there's no one to deny. Now it goes further in verse 12. He says, Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make aid for my help. Verse 13, he says, Let them be confounded and consumed that are bashes to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that I seek my own. Verse 14, he says, but I will hope continually. Now, this is where I'm going to. Now, he has said something about the fact that he's going through something, and he knows that certain people have come together, and they have said God has forsaken him. But he says in verse 14, he says, but I will hope continually. He says, and I will yet praise you more and more. In other words, David is saying, I may wander unto men, but God is my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with praise and honor. And he said, don't cast me off. You know, obviously, there's something David is going to get. And he's saying that my enemies speak against me. They have gathered together and they have said that God has forsaken me. But he says in verse 4, he says, but I will hope continually. He says, and we yet praise you more and more. In other words, David is saying in the midst of it all, I will keep praising God. I will keep praising you more and more. He doesn't stop there. He says, my mouth shall show forth your righteousness and your salvation all the day. Now notice. David didn't say, my mouth shall show forth my own righteousness. No. He says, my mouth will show forth your righteousness. He's talking about God here. He says, my mouth, oh, who is David? What did David know? Imagine David is saying, my mouth will show forth God's righteousness and God's salvation. So David has got to a point where he understood God's righteousness. This same David said in Psalm 32, that blessed is the man whose sins are covered, whose iniquities are forgiven. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord will not impute. David knew that a time will come when men will walk on the face of the earth and God will not impute him to them. Now, this same David says, I'm going through certain things, but I will hope in God. I will keep praising God more and more. Verse 15 of Psalm 71, he says, my mouth will show forth God's righteousness. Ask you a question. Whose righteousness does your mouth show forth? Do you go about speaking about your own righteousness or declaring God's own righteousness? It's like David is saying yes, that my mouth will show forth the gospel of Christ because it is the gospel of Christ that, that, that reveals the righteousness of God. So David says, my mouth will show forth your righteousness and your salvation all day. For I know not the numbers thereof. Verse 16, he says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, even of yours only. Look at verse 16 again. He says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. He says, I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. In other words, David is saying, I will go in the strength of God. He says, I will make mention of God's righteousness and God's righteousness only. In other words, David is saying, I will not go about speaking of my own righteousness. No, he says, I will make mention of God's righteousness and God's righteousness only. He goes for that. He says, oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth. And in that way, have I declared your wondrous works. He says, now also, when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until I have shown thy strength unto this generation. 
and thy power that everyone that is to come. Verse 19 of Psalm 71. He said, Thy righteousness also to O God is very high. Look, I mean, how many times is David going to talk about God's righteousness? Just look at it. A man of your confidence. I can assure you, I believe strongly that David even walked in more victory than many believers in Christ. Because David understood God's mercy. He understood God's righteousness. Look at how many times he has talked about God's righteousness, God's righteousness, your righteousness, your righteousness. He's not talking about his soul. He, he, because he knows that his own righteousness will not make him qualify for those promises. So he says, your righteousness also to go God is very high. He says, who has done great things? Oh God, who is like unto you? It's like he's praising God here. He goes further. He says, that which has showed me great and sore trouble shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. He says, thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. This is what he's talking about here. He says, you will increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. This is the same thing that Simon said in Psalm 138 verse 8. That that will protect that which concerns me. He says here that you will comfort me on every side. On every side. When I turn to the right, I'm comforted. When I turn to the left, I'm comforted. Ahead of me, I'm comforted. Behind me, I'm comforted. He doesn't stop there. He says, I will also praise thee with the sad. Even thy truth. Oh my God. Unto thee will I sing with the heart. O thou only one of Israel. My lips shall rejoice greatly when I sing unto you. And my soul will dance with thou as with him. Look at verse 24 again of Psalm 71. It says, my tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long. Look, just think about it. How many times is David going to talk about God's righteousness? This is a man of the old covenant. No wonder he had confidence to eat the showbread in the temple. Even though he was not meant to eat it as a king. No wonder he had confidence to do so many things. Because look at how many times David talks about God's righteousness. He says, my tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long. It says, for they are confounded. They are brought unto shame that seek my heart. Look at what it says. It says, my tongue shall talk of your righteousness. He says, I will praise you with the sanctity, even thy truth. You know, at this juncture, I just want us to begin to praise God in our own world. I want us to begin to praise God. I'm going to lead in an English song. And then, you know, let us begin to praise God. And when that is convinced that it's to round up the nation, then he can round it up. Oh, oh, oh.